Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and what a big end of the week we had and what a big start to the week ahead has already occurred. Of course, we have talked many times on the week on Wednesday and the weekend wrap about the Morrison government's IR omnibus bill. And in this week's episode of the week on Wednesday, we broke down how it has negatively or would negatively impact on women. Now, the bill did go to the Senate on Thursday for a debate and for a vote. It was really quite the shambles in the end. Look, all credit to the labour movement uh, and to the workers who campaigned for months to try and make sure that this bill was not brought in uh, and in the end have successfully stripped out four-fifths of the things that would have undermined job security, reduced wages and made life more difficult for more workers, uh, particularly younger workers and women, as we discussed in this week's episode of The Week on Wednesday. The government, in the end, was able to pass one element, and that was around casuals. Essentially, what it does is it creates a statutory definition of casual, uh, and it puts in place the government's proposed pathway uh, to have people be able to request uh, permanency. Uh, the arbitration elements were dropped off, as were the elements that in the end were put forward by both the ACTU, the union movement, and COSBOA, representing the small business uh, organisations of Australia, that came forward with a proposal that ended up having crossbench support. The government decided not to support that, not to put that up, uh, and so in the end, that wasn't adopted. But it's interesting to see that here was some uh, reform that was being put forward by stakeholders that had good cross-party support, but the Morrison government isn't really interested in reform. It's not really interested in that. It's interested in its ideological position, and in the end, it decided against reform in favour of ideology. Of course, the wage theft components of the IR Omnibus Bill also had crossbench support, also could have been implemented, but in a fit of pettiness, of, of anger, the government stripped those out as well, uh, leaving many, many workers in Australia who are victims of wage theft with no additional pathways and no additional support to deal with those uh, issues. Now, of course, if you do believe you've been underpaid, if you do uh, have concerns about whether or not your wages are being stolen, the first thing to do is to contact and join your union. Uh, you should join your union anyway because the best defence against wage theft is to be in your union, is for your co-workers to be in the union and for you to be organised and able to make your claims about your wages effectively in that way. But Back to the point here is that the government could have done something constructive about the issue. Now, it wouldn't have solved the issue entirely, but it would have been a step in the right direction. This was sort of almost everybody's view that they could do this, this would be something that would be supported, and yet they stripped it away. They stripped it away. So again, the Morrison government's not interested in real reform. What it wants to do is pursue its ideological barrow. And 
it becomes clear that the wage theft component was really just a sop to try and soften the passage of the rest of the bill. When the rest of the bill wasn't getting through, they stripped that away as well. There were total scenes in the Senate. If you haven't had a chance to see it, there's a beautiful clip of Penny Wong laughing at Senator Ben Small from WA, the Liberal senator, who comes in sort of midway through the debate on Thursday afternoon and makes this just total ideological speech against the Labor movement and uh, unions and the Labor Party um, and, and making all these claims about the bill. Of course, all these claims about the bill are uh, in relation to elements of the bill that the government has withdrawn. So all these things that Ben Small thinks are so important that the government has to do in order to save the economy, the government itself has decided not to do. And it really just shows how out of touch with his own job Senator Ben Small is. This is, of course, the guy who earlier in the week uh, was, was talking over Labor MP Kate Thwaites on television when they were having a discussion about the March for Justice and about women in the workplace uh, ben Small started talking over her. Again, there's footage of that available on Twitter. Kate Thwaites' uh, Twitter account is where you can find that. Uh, it's a remarkable, remarkable thing to see. Uh, there's lack of self-awareness of that particular man um, is there for everyone to see. Of course, as we speak, there are floods in New South Wales. Um, it's raining where I am as well. You might be able to hear that. Nothing like what our... Uh, comrades and colleagues in New South Wales are having to face at the moment. Please do listen to the emergency services instructions. The Premier, as I understand it, has suggested that people will need to work from home this week uh, and that kids and children will need to stay at home as well, home from school that is. Uh, there is significant concerns about the Hawkesbury, the Mid-North Coast and the Hunter. There are 16 local government areas in Western Sydney uh, that are currently impacted. Uh, I understand that the uh, Parramatta River has broken its banks in some places and the Powerhouse Museum site has flooded uh, and there are now evacuation orders in place for Agnes Banks, Pitt Town Bottoms, Pitt Town North, Cornwallis and parts of Richmond. Uh, do check for updates on that. There will undoubtedly be more. Uh, do listen to the SES evacuation orders um, and please do stay safe. Don't drive through floodwaters. Uh, if you're in the SES, do uh, take our thanks. Your volunteerism uh, is what is going to save many, many people and their homes over the coming days. Uh, and a big shout out and thanks to all of the emergency service workers who will undoubtedly be working hard throughout the night and in the days to come. Uh, I do want to touch on something that came out towards the end of the week about Morrison's lack of participation in the Justice for Women rally in Canberra. People will know that thousands of people were at the rally. Uh, we covered this uh, on the week on Wednesday uh, episode. It's a great episode. Van talks at length about the interconnectedness of the Morrison government ideology and policy as it relates to women and the current position we find ourselves in as a nation on these issues. But Jason Falinski, the Liberal MP, who some people might remember, if they remember him at all, they might remember him as being the MP who was trying to mock the workers at Peter's Ice Cream when they were campaigning for better conditions and fair wages uh, by... Uh, 
trying to swallow an entire Buffalo Bill hole, it seemed. Uh, anyway, the workers won that struggle um, almost straight after Jason Falinski did that. Uh, now he's come out and said that Scott Morrison couldn't attend the uh, March for Justice rally in Canberra because of cons- security concerns. This was done on the lawn outside Parliament House, this rally, one of the most protected parts of our country. Um, More security there than just about anywhere anywhere else in our nation. And yet there were concerns apparently for his safety. Now this flies in the face of the fact that this was a rally against gendered violence, against violence really of any kind, and flies in the face of of the fact that there was no violence at any of the rallies anywhere across the country in any of the capital cities or regional towns where marches and rallies took place. Yet, apparently, Scott Morrison was so afraid, so afraid of these angry women from all walks of life, from all sorts of political persuasion, from all levels of education and income, that he could not go outside. Uh, You know, it's really a sad, sad state of affairs People might remember uh, Bob Hawke fronted a rally uh, of uh, very angry people um, without any concerns for his security. And also, uh, of course, John Howard uh, fronted a rally on that same lawn uh, of pro-gun protesters when he was changing gun laws. Uh, Now, he did wear a bulletproof vest. And look, to be fair to John Howard, not my favourite politician in Australian history, but you can understand why he would wear a bulletproof vest going to a pro-gun rally when he's putting forward uh, gun control laws. Morrison didn't even do that. Didn't even do that. Apparently, a bulletproof vest wouldn't have been enough to guarantee the safety of Scott Morrison. And yet, after the rally, after the rally, he attended a football game in Melbourne, sat in the crowd, uh, around 25,000 people, uh, no concerns for his safety at all, apparently. Uh, it blows my mind. And then clearly, you know, it's not just a question of Morrison's cowardice, which is there for all to see. It's also clear what the priorities of the Morrison government are. And that's a very sad state of affairs, a very, very sad state of affairs indeed. And on that same theme, we saw towards the end of the week the Morrison government being forced to start to try and back away from its policy of having women who are fleeing from domestic violence situations pay for that themselves out of their own superannuation, out of their retirement savings. This was a policy that said women could access $10,000 out of their super in order to flee from domestic violence. This is a ridiculous policy. This is about undermining super far more than it's about helping women. If you wanted to help people who are facing domestic violence, you put in place domestic violence services. You put in place social housing. You put in place domestic violence leave. These are things that would actually help people and allow them to continue to save for their retirement, not disadvantaging them further in the future. Christina Keneally, the Labor Senator for New South Wales, made an excellent point about this on Insiders today when she pointed out the double standard that the Morrison government was is happy to allow Christian Porter to have all this paid time off to deal with the mental health implications of the allegations that are currently levelled against him uh, and for him to be able to put forward a defamation suit against the ABC, the our national broadcaster. 
uh, and facilitate his return to work in such a way as for him to keep his position and his title and his money, even though there are clear conflicts of interest in being the Attorney General and running a defamation suit against the national broadcaster and being in charge of making federal court appointments that would theoretically have uh, a say in the outcome of that trial. So the government, the Morrison government is hiving off parts of his job to other people, uh, in some cases women, without extra pay, uh, without any, even a title bump, frankly. Uh, and Christina Keneally said, on one hand, the Morrison government's doing that for Christian Porter, and at the same time, they're not listening to the March for Justice. They're not dealing with these issues of violence and disrespect, and they're expecting women to fund their own flight from domestic violence. It compounds people's fury and compounds people's anger, and quite rightly so, quite rightly so. So, look, hopefully that policy does go the way of the dodo and disappears, and, but it has to be replaced with good policy. You know, removing the bad policy is one thing. We need good policy, policy that will support people leaving violent relationships, policy that helps them get to a safe place, get to the support services they need, have money in order to restart their lives and be able to carry on in their jobs. So paid domestic violence leave is obviously a big part of that. And the union movement, I know, and the Labor Party are both very much committed to that policy. Now, finally, today is also the International Day for the Elimination of Racism um, in Australia. It's sometimes called Harmony Day. Uh, and so lots of events will have been happening around the country, and hopefully you've had an opportunity to participate in those. It is also, uh, to a degree, a sad... Well, not to a degree. It is a very sad thing that I have to say that today it's also come out that there was a man at the train station in Melbourne wearing a hat with swastikas on it, um, and a young Jewish man, uh, 23-year-old Jewish man, took a photo of this. It's come out today uh, that this guy was walking around Melbourne catching the train with swastikas on his hat. Um, it is unacceptable. It is unacceptable. The Nazis are the bad guys. I, you know, you might remember from an earlier episode of the week on Wednesday, we praised uh, Peter Dutton for finally getting on board with the banning of a Nazi organisation here in Australia. Um, this is, to a degree, bipartisan. This is, to a degree, across political lines. The Nazis are the bad guys. Australia fought the Nazis. If you're wearing swastikas in the street, you are the bad guy. You are on the wrong side of history. The Australians who are Jewish, Australians who are from uh, backgrounds that are non-Aryan, you know, they have every right to be here, to participate in Australian life, to feel safe in Australia, in every part of our great nation, because they are part of our great nation. And the wearing of swastikas, the flying of swastika flags, the participation in the glorification of Nazism and Nazi symbols in any way is unacceptable, unacceptable, you know. And this is, this is something that adult Australians have to totally condemn. Every, every Australian adult needs to be totally clear about this. This is not okay in any way, shape or form. 
And we at the week on Wednesday, I know Van joins me in this, uh, stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with those Australians uh, who would see that symbol as a threat to them, uh, whether they be uh, Jewish, whether they be from the LGBTIQA plus community, whether they be uh, from any of the uh, backgrounds that Nazis have targeted over the course of history. Uh, we stand with you in the condemnation of uh, this particular person and uh, this symbol. It has no place in our society. So on that note, that's the weekend wrap. Remember, never has it been more important to be kind to yourself and to each other. Goodbye.